0: Yeah. I hear you now, buddy. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I am fine, sir. How are you this morning? Oh, man, I'm fantastic now that I'm talking are you, to you. Are, are you fantastic, really?
1: I am. I, you know, every time I say that, people always question the, uh, the legitimacy of that comment. And I don't know why so, that is. I'll
0: tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because there's never any variation. You're always fantastic. I mean, hey. it's like... It's like, is sex always as good as we always say it is? No. Sometimes it's all right. Sometimes it's downright shitty. But you got to, if you have no variation in your level of expectations, then people are always going to question when you say, yeah, it's fine.
2: Right. That but makes sense. That
1: makes sense. So.
2: Is, uh, is, uh, Bennett, are you on now? Yeah, but you probably won't be able to hear me. You know, oh, I, I can hear, hear you. you. Man, you sound fucking better than dude Are oh. you fantastic, Bennett? Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to come in and out first. Oh.
1: Well, easy, killer. Jesus too
2: fucking early, in easy. Yeah, too early, early in the morning,
0: Never too early in the morning. Never too early in the morning for
1: that. <laughs> never, never too early in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the first time we've done an anchor with multiple individuals. So I'm curious to see how this turns out. Of course, I'm commuting to work. Jeff, it sounds like you're commuting to work. And Bennett is probably late Late to work as usual. Or he's called it he's called it sick again. Which is it? Yeah, see this yeah. he's conveniently he's conveniently out now. I don't feel well. <laughs> it don't feel well, right. So uh yeah. great great shows, Jeff. I've been listening. Uh God, thank you.
0: Thank you. Today, yeah. today's show today's show's real special to me, man, because uh uh Nick Rowe is a uh, Play a, play a personal I mean he's just one of the guys that I always felt was uh was a person that I, I just couldn't couldn't stop worrying about the guy once I found out about him and yeah. um, glad that he was a part of the special force community and the military as a whole uh, really great story and uh it was really fun to have one of uh, one of our one of our top patrons um who I offered offered to be on as a guest I gave him a chance he's a younger guy non-military I said hey man uh, I wanted to have you on. He had asked me a couple times to say Do you ever have other guests on. And I'm like, I'll tell you what, man. You go read this book and come back to me with some legitimate points proving to me that you read it, and uh, and we'll talk about it. Two days later, two days later, he called me back. He just got done with the book and he started spitting up all this information that 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 it, that he actually did it. So uh, I had him on, and I did okay for for a young guy, the same age as my son, He had it. And I had on. So, so what, what what did you give?
1: What did you give him to read?
0: Five Years of Freedom by uh, Colonel James Nick Rowe. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I just got done listening to your Tactical 16 episode.
0: Oh yeah, though no, that was that was a good time too. Uh, Chris Chris for the guy who was on when uh, the the leadership book that he wrote, um, he's another Green Beret that I served with. Uh, he now is uh, the CEO or the chief chief executive officer or whatever it is of you know Tactical 16 and. And he came out to Fort Bragg for a USO fundraiser and brought three uh, of his, his offers. Uh, yeah, got, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really really good time, man. It was really interesting to fun to meet those guys. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was a great it was a great conversation. The uh, uh, the, the the mishap of the the missing microphone could have been could have t- tremendously added to the quality of the episode. Because there was a couple times in there where you were talking or asking a question, I couldn't understand what you're saying. But other than that... Yeah, that's that's, just the, that's just the way I talk. I, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, what else do you have going on? There's been like, you and I haven't had a chance to catch up recently, so I know that you've got another event that you're going to pretty soon, right?
0: Uh, yeah! This week, this upcoming weekend, I'm going up to New Jersey. Uh, Keith O'Neill, the NFL player who had written Under My Helmet, I yeah. had him on as a guest. Uh, he's having a book signing in our hometown of Howell at the Barnes and Noble from two to five on Saturday. I uh, will be awesome. up there for that in support of him and in support of what he's doing. And for God's sake, to get my book signed. I mean, for yeah, John. absolutely.
1: That's really cool.
0: And uh, uh, you know, obviously, we've got the other event coming up in September, which I think we'll talk about. But also in August, I'm going to New Orleans to a Potter Love Convention, and I'll be down there with uh, you know, Sam Culper from Breakers Podcast and the guys from Sofa Kings Podcast, and I'll be hanging out with them and participating in all the festivities in the the biggest podcasting uh, convention that they have every year in the, in the entire country. What is there any beans involved? <laughs> Um yeah, but if they throw them, I'll take my shirt off and show them on my kids oh, out there. Right. Yes,
1: yes. Oh man, I might just uh, throw some in the mail just, just so you can get some uh, pictures thrown up on social media. I'd love to see that. Hello? I'll, I'll I'll text you back some t- some pictures of me right now. Eddie, hold on. Oh, Jesus! That's awesome, man. That's good stuff. So, so we got some coming up in September, though. too, don't. We? Yeah, let's talk about that. I, I don't I don't know I don't know if Bennett's ever gonna hop back on here or not. He's a little uh.
0: He's taking a challenged.
1: Yeah, taking a sick day. Yeah, taking, a sick thing. taking a sick day. So the yeah, uh, well we're spinning up our a uh, little bit more of our marketing campaign with regard to our trip this uh, September. We got a couple of uh, I got I got an event created, but so we're gonna start hitting the ground really hard with promoting uh, promoting it. But one of the things that I think. It's really going to be kind of cool is, well, one, just being there with all of us together in one place is going to be super cool. But then... For the first uh, time. For the first yeah, time ever. It'll be, it'll be the first time I've ever met you and Dwayne in person. Uh, now, right. Have you met Dwayne in person yet? Have I?
0: Yeah. No. Oh, okay. no, I.
1: I I'm, no, I'm, still, I'm
0: still I'm still. not quite convinced the three of you actually are people. And you're not okay. like some kind of... You're not some freaking communist or, or, or Islamic friggin' shill that's just you know trying to gather as much intel as possible on me.
1: So we don't uh, listen, we don't look anything like we portray ourselves. We don't set like we're straight up catfishing the fuck out of you right now. Oh well, I just wanna I just
0: wanna put it out there that I, I am better looking than how I look in my in all the in all the pictures. I mean
1: Well I hope so um, Oh
0: you're gonna be you're gonna have a great time and I'm fucking
1: smoking hot. So so we're going to be there. So a couple, of, a couple of positive points, we're going to meet each other for the first time, cool. And we're also going to be part of this uh, amazing second annual military influencer conference. Uh, last year was the, the first annual and that was held in Dallas, Texas, I believe it was in Texas somewhere. And uh, so this year is in Orlando and I think next year is in D.C. So they kind of skip it around a little bit, which I think is a good idea. And uh, so that's another thing that's really, really cool. Two day, actually it's a a three day extravaganza with guest speakers, keynote speakers, workshops. um, And we get to be a part of the shindig. We're gonna have a 10 by 10 uh, booth set up and we're gonna be, yeah, I mean, we're just like, the sky's the limit. I'm not sure exactly what we're gonna do, but we're definitely gonna interview as many speakers and guests as we can, uh, each other, we'll do some Facebook Lives, and we're also talking about another really exciting thing: is actually holding our own Change Your POV Podcast Network uh, meetup. And if we we got to get it. We got to kind of get touch base on what the details of that look like. But one of the evenings, uh, we're going to be whether we do it right there at the hotel bar. Uh, it's a pretty large venue in this hotel we're going to be at, um, so we can probably just do it right there, at the hotel bar, or somewhere. Relatively close to where we're going to be staying because obviously we're not going to have rides. So we have to Uber everywhere we go if we want to go anywhere, yeah. uh, which right. in Orlando is really easy to do. But, um, and I don't mind doing. Uh, although, I do. Can you imagine the poor Uber driver that's got a tote like, uh, you know, the four of us around? That would just be. Well,
0: I, you know, I was thinking that, you know, one of the most romantic things in the entire world would be to like, get married and Jaws pops out of the water at Universal Studios. What if yeah. we had what if we had
1: I'm not
2: married. Huh? I'm not married. No,
0: no, you, we right. to, no. We have we have the Meetup on the Harry Potter ride at Universal Studios. Because I mean for God's sakes, we're gonna have Dwayne there so he looks like Voldemort. And
2: <laughs>
0: you know and Bennett's there and everyone knows that Bennett's a he's a dead ringer for for Harry Potter. Can you, you know,
1: do? You, you can we yeah. get into uh, the? Is it, you have to pay admission to get in there, right? Or how does that work? I've yes. never been there.
0: Yeah, you,
1: yeah you, go, you go to the yeah the theme park
0: there to charge you to go there, Eddie. Right? Everything's free in Orlando. It's the happiest place
1: on earth. <laughs> <laughs> no, my I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying that like, do they have like a bar that we can go to, or do you gotta like pay to get in? Oh uh, no, and I, go, I or are
0: you just joking I mean, about joking. the ride? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm joking. We're not going to be able to go there and do that. They don't want us. Do you think they want us more freaking clowns, having a bunch of our freaking listeners, show up at the freaking place that's designed for children. Well, that's, well, first, that's probably the best place for us. But, yeah, I see your point. Yeah, no, I think that the, the, the hotel bar or or a, or a restaurant in the area that's got the kind of a, you know, a back conference room or something like that is going to be the best best idea. We'll, we'll look into it. We'll uh, we'll investigate we'll come up with a good a good idea but i think the big thing is I, as i said is we're gonna start trying to get from our listeners and from the people uh, try to get a, a head count of how many people are going to be there so that we can uh we can properly um identify a, a good venue and a good place to you know make sure that we have every i'd rather over plan than under plan but i don't want to i wouldn't want it to blow it out of the water yeah. and, uh, and yeah. four people show up so it's like us four, and four other people. So eight sad sacks on a booth just sitting around in a room built for fifty. Would kind of be uh yeah.
1: So we get so we gotta get a head count so you can know how many uh how many holes right. in the desert we have to dig.
0: Yeah and that way I can also bring as many friggin' uh you know pencils with uh with you know thanks for coming out for stuff <laughs> like door Jesus. door fries. Yeah you know, door prize something something cool like you know the bill. i give you the bill
1: Door prize. <laughs> yeah, that's a good door prize. Yeah, you bought. Yeah, you picked up the tabs. Thanks. There's your door prize. And it good only cost.
0: Price. It only it only cost you all the beer. Me, Dwayne, and Me, Dwayne, and Eddie
1: Well, see, Bennett's got to hook up with a uh, uh, a guy that's going to make T-shirts. So we're going to obviously get T-shirts for ourselves, but we'll probably uh, order in a few more. Uh,
3: is it gonna say I
0: went, to Orlando, I went to Orlando, Florida, and all like I got was this fucking t-shirt?
3: Yes. Like that. No.
0: Like
3: I, hey, uh, I, I, I think to... not only should we do t-shirts, we should do coffee as well. Coffee and and, coffee who? and whiskey. Knives, whiskey,
1: and t-shirts. Coffee, whiskey, and knives, t-shirts. Yeah. Yes. That's
0: what could go idea. wrong? What? Yeah. For, uh, one out of one out of four friggin' veteran podcasts that has PTSD. Knives, whiskey, and
3: friggin'. And a giant city full of tourists is probably a bad mix. So, would this yeah. be a bad time yeah. to remind uh, remind Eddie about time zones? I'm just asking. <laughs> is, uh, maybe.
1: I will. Good I time. thought you sure. I, I, You're <laughs> awake
2: anyway. That's
1: a right, good point. It doesn't but make I it right.
2: You,
1: you did not want to miss out on this extravaganza of a, of a shit show this early in the morning with the four of us. So, you're welcome. to make sure sure that the audience is getting full value out of this conversation, I do want to bring up a topic, and that is what, and this is probably this is coming this is coming uh, apparent in more than one ways as as of recently, I don't know why it just, it is in my life but I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that are struggling with confidence in themselves and it's really kind of uh discouraging and I wanted to talk about this for a minute it's about confidence in oneself and why do so many people seem to lack confidence or their ability to do something they're more than capable of doing but they're just they're for whatever reason think that they're just not confident to like for example there's two people that I work with and there's one person a family friend and uh, and I've had basically this conversation with the three of them within the last two days. And it was just weird that they all hit at the same time, but it makes me really wonder. I think there's a larger epidemic out there with regard to people just feeling inept or, or not capable or, or their self-confidence is, is shattered. And I don't understand where that comes from or why that is, but really quick example. So there's somebody that I work with, really, really smart, got, got more than enough skill Uh, To do a lot more than she's doing and there's an opportunity that came available that was a promotion and uh, the hiring manager spoke with this individual and She just didn't feel like she was capable enough or had the experience or was adequate enough to fill that role and do a good job at it and the hiring manager was convinced that she did based off of her past experience and things that she's done and the hiring manager came to see me and said hey you've worked with this person i want to hire for this position do you do you see the same thing i see i think this person would be a, a great asset to the team and i said absolutely this person would do a great job in that role and so myself and the hiring manager both agree Uh, And he asked me to have a, a talk with her to see if maybe I can kind of feel her out a little bit in terms of why she feels so inadequate to fill its role. So I talked to her. It was like maybe 15 minutes into the conversation. She was literally crying in my office. And I got the tissues out on my desk. And she's kind of just opening it all up, right, talking about how, you know, she just doesn't understand why people... You know, uh, at this company see this in her and she doesn't see it in herself. How we feel that she's more than capable of accomplishing these these missions and and doing this task but she doesn't find that she's within herself that same level of confidence and then again, this conversation repeated two more times, two more individuals and I just wanted to get kind of bounce it off you guys and say, do you see this in with people that that you deal with, whether they're friends or family or acquaintances, maybe people that you work with, and what do you think the reason is for this huge gap in self-confidence? Let me let me jump in there. I, I work with I work with interns and co-ops
0: at my job. Uh, one of my basic one of my basic responsibilities is to mentor and prepare and teach these guys to be able to operate in a corporate environment in, in the IT industry. And it's I see the same thing every single day. And what I think is going on is not only does we have, as human beings always are more critical of ourselves than other people are because we are the center of our own universe. It, it's not an arrogance or a... It's the nature of the way we think and the way we are. But we live in a world that's completely social media, you know, and...
3: Oh, man, I think you lost it. Yeah, Jeff's going through uh, the research triangle, which is a little less well known than the B- the Bermuda triangle, but it has <laughs> right. the same same effect. Um <laughs> right. yeah. It's the Silicon Silicon Valley yeah. of
2: Southeast. <laughs> yet there's no exactly. yet there's no internet. So,
3: so uh so let me jump in and pick up maybe where Jeff left off is uh there is a social media effect, you know, the idea of we're comparing ourselves against everyone else's highlight reel uh and the idea that uh you know, our lives aren't as good as, as the lives they're living. The food that we're eating is not as good as the food that they're eating, and you know, so there's there's a little bit of what what people show the world to bolster their own internal identity, sort of causes other people to, to compare against. So I think that might have been where Jeff was going, and, and any evidence to the contrary, we'll just say that that's what it was.
2: And then uh, I I also think that well, I mean. There's a phenomenon. I don't know. It's, it was probably always this way, too. But, um, you know, like the regular media, if, if you listen to them, it's doomsday yeah. out there, man. We're all good. We're the, the, the sky is falling. And the
3: shit's worst going thing you down. can do as a pessimist you know is I mean? watch the news because then it just confirms everything right. you
2: believe. Right. And then, right. And then, on top of that, like if you look around, I mean, the economy's not great for everybody. Let's be honest. I mean, I, in Syracuse here, I'm looking, which is a, was and still kind of is a manufacturing based city. Um, there's a lot of homeless people around, which five years ago, they weren't here. Uh, there's a lot, there's a panhandler on almost every corner now. Uh, and it wasn't like that five years ago. I don't know if it's like that in the rest of the country. Um but I suspect that it is. So, you know, that, so you, but you see things like that. And even on a subconscious level, it makes people like afraid, right? So they've got to kind of also protect themselves in the positions that they're in now. I, I kind of, it's, it's like a, it's, it's
3: biology, man. And and so I'll come from maybe a psychology standpoint um, in that um, consider it as almost a reverse narcissism, right? So narcissists believe against all evidence that they're better than they are, where a lot of times other people believe against all evidence that they're worse than they are. No matter how many times they're presented evidence that, no, 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 you're doing all right, you're doing well, um, that there's something that's going to keep them from accepting that. So you know, there's the imposter syndrome. I, I know I had it, you know. And and it's, I'm I'm sitting in the uh, office being a mental health counselor, and and I'm like I keep thinking that somebody's gonna bust in the door and say, "What are you doing?" "Grunt." "What the? What you, you're not. What are you? Not, <laughs> How do you you're, you're not Maybe supposed you can't to be in here. You're a freaking truck driver for Christ's sake, you know." And and so there's that idea. You think of uh, the man behind the curtain. So Oz, right? You know, Oz had to present himself. He had to project this big wall or. This burning ball of fire whatever um when actually when he got down to it he did everything that dorothy and the crew needed him to do through his own abilities and not through some mythical kind of thing and, and so we we do need to recognize that the man behind the curtain the gal behind the curtain actually is capable of doing something uh, but there's a lot of things in it that that um that they keep us from doing that literally. And interestingly enough, I had this conversation last night at dinner with an with a young, young He's about 10 years younger than I am. So he's about Bennett's age. And <laughs> or not, but, um, but so he was the staff sergeant. He was like, you know, and, and he's in uh he's in healthcare field. So he's a, a manager in hospital. And, um, and he says, you know, when I was, uh, when I was an NCO man, I could get up, I could complete training. I could, knock it out and there wasn't a moment of hesitation but now when I get up in front of a a group or an organization or public speaking I always have this anxiety and I always hang back and I said because when you were in the military you had that confidence that a you knew what you were talking about and b that there was other people around you that if you didn't know what you were talking about they were going to correct you pretty quickly and we lose that confidence when we get out of the military and I don't know if this this uh, person you're talking about is is uh, is in the military Eddie but we have that when we're in situations that are novel to us, that are new to us. We simply don't have the confidence. And then we have a negative self-image of ourselves, which then is reinforced over and over and over again.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that in the case, in my case, with the three folks that I spoke with, they're all, you know, uh, they're all younger, um, millennial, maybe a little bit older than millennial, somewhere in there between millennial and my age. And so, relatively inexperienced. So, so maybe maybe some of that, that uh, hesitation comes from their lack of experience or their lack of perceived experience. I think, and and I think a lot of people uh, discount or discredit the experience they do have. Like they have some phenomenal experiences that lend themselves to the application, you know, somewhere else at a different job or a different you know uh, responsibility or something. Uh, but but they look at that experience as oh it wasn't a big deal, um, and it doesn't justify or quantify the the uh, what's expected of me at this new position or this new resp- level of responsibility. When in fact it does. And I had a conversation last night, with the uh, the third conversation in two days, with the third person, and uh, she, you know, recent college graduate with a marketing background, had a lot of marketing experience both at the universities she went to as well as. Um, organizations over the summer um, with some other companies as, in internships. So, you know, she's got the degree, she's got the experience, she's got the knowledge, uh, she understands what she's doing, and she gets approached by a, the CEO of a company in Boston, small business, um, it's, a, it's, it's a smaller um, uh, organization that does uh, uh, like a talent agency, the, like a placement job placement agency. And they have a one person uh, marketing department, that person's leaving the company for whatever reason. And, and the CEO basically reached out to this this friend of mine, and, and asked her to come in for an interview and, and is really interested in offering this position. And she just feels really hesitant to take it because she would be the only person in the marketing department, she wouldn't have anybody that's giving her any kind of direction. And like, basically she, you know, she wouldn't be working for a marketing boss. She would be the marketing boss. And she just like, doesn't feel that she's doesn't have the confidence and feel that she's capable of doing that job. And I was like, you know, you've got the degree, you've got the experience, you know, what, what are you afraid of? And I, and I think part of maybe the, the lack of self-confidence deep behind that veil, that curtain that you speak of, Dwayne, I think there's some level of, feel of fear of failure as well, right? I'm thinking that Dwayne is still Maybe. there. Maybe. What about know. what about Bennett, you? What do you think?
2: Um, honestly, dude, I didn't even hear what you said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're on this call.
2: <laughs> Dude, it's been yeah. Anyway, I'm not gonna make excuses. It's just been an asshole morning. <laughs> but you're I like, didn't even hear what you said. You like I?
1: You like the guy that sits in the meeting, and then when they when they finally turn the turn the question to you, you're like, uh "What was that again?" I wasn't paying. Attention. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, absolutely
2: for sure. Because meetings suck. <laughs> oh man, at least and this isn't a meeting, but you no. Know, <laughs> but of course, I my uh, internet. Yeah. Anyway, just uh, I blame it all on the. I'm very good at blaming it on the uh, infrastructure this morning. So because uh, oh, last night was a shit show. Hey, I'm back though. <laughs> hey, there he is.
3: So and I don't think he heard any. of no, or maybe he did I, hear you. I hear. I heard most of it. I heard all the way up to the point was like Eddie or Bennett was like, dude, I wasn't even listening to you. So why are you bothering <laughs> asking me that question? So, so, so,
2: give your answer, and then maybe I'll be able to pull so it. So on. this
3: was, uh, this was uh, the the challenge was. I said something that was pretty for, pretty profound, but that was like three minutes ago, so I don't even remember what it was. Uh, the idea of the fear of failure, right? So it's, yeah, but it's 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 not even just the fear of failure; it's the lack of uh, the lack of winning, right? You know, so I, I don't even oh, know what right. winning means like, you know. So if we think about what the negative is, but we also think about the positive. Um, you ever had that as you were talking, I was thinking about that time where where the first sergeant made the <coughs> made the PFC commander for a day or some crap, right or yeah you know, or, or things like that where you know Jesus that, that always didn't sucked. it right? And then you had this little and, and like for weeks afterwards this guy you had to remind this guy to be like, dude, that was like two weeks ago. <laughs> um, but 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 that was the thing is is at first you're like, you know, oh, you know why me? Um, you know, or some of them were some of them were like, oh, absolutely. But the, when I was in E4, I wasn't prepared to act as an E7. My capacity wasn't there. I had to grow that. But there were times when, when I was in E6, let's say, that I was put into E7 positions. And I was E7, I was put into E8 positions, where it was uncomfortable at first, but I grew into it. So my perceived skill in the, the position that I was in, um, they were narrower. And so, some people may think that they're at a lower level. It's a, it's a lack of self perception. Huh. They're they're at a lower level than they think they actually are. So they think they're actually working at you know, uh, I have to go into this. Um, the other thing, and specifically with the marketing, is people just are convinced that they they have to live life by the rules. You guys know that I I, I love listening to uh, Christopher Lockhead, but people buy into the rules. Her rule is. My first position shouldn't be the head of a marketing company or a marketing uh, uh, shop, right? Uh My first position should be as this lower thing. This is where I should be because I've been told that this is my natural progression, my natural progression. So if we look at the audacity principle, a lot of people self-select themselves out of things because they're not bold enough. They don't step in uh, soon enough. Um, that they just assume that other people have more authority and that there's more limitations on their behavior than there actually is. And so bold and decisive behavior, stepping in more times than not, is actually going to get you the result that you want, unless you're limiting yourself by saying, that's not my thing. I shouldn't do that. Um, and so it's, it's like, it, take a chance. Why not? There is a little bit that if you do fail, well, now you've learned, but if you succeed, how much quicker is that acceleration going to be? Right.
2: Right. Cause people don't address that gray. <clears throat> they don't embrace, em- embrace the gray area. Right. Yeah. So everything to, to a lot of people's black and white and that's not the world. It's not like that. And it goes the same way with leadership, fear and everything else too. Um, that's how, you know, you and I have talked about this, Eddie. It's that gray areas. I, that's where I walk towards. You know what I mean? Because that's where amazing shit happens. And I like, it yeah. doesn't really happen with stuff that's black and white. Yeah, and
1: I like, and right? I like this idea of the self-selection that, that Dwayne talked about. I think he's, I think he's absolutely right. I mean, w- one of the things that I told this lady that, that I work with, I was like, listen, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Every manager in this company at every level from the president on down, no idea they're, they're all doing. walking around asking, they're all walking around saying to themselves, oh my god, if, if everyone only knew that I have no idea what I'm doing. But like everybody says that to themselves. Everybody at every level, right? And, and if you're a manager and you're listening to this and you, and you say, oh, I don't know, I've never said that to myself, you're a big fat liar. You, you,
3: or, you, or you're a narcissist, right? Or you're a sociopath.
1: Or right an actual narcissist right because everybody questions their own legitimacy right their own competency Every at some point everyone questions that now do i live in a state of oh my god i don't know what i'm doing no you know there's many times that you know things are affirmed that i do know what i'm talking about it helps build that confidence but there's occasions where i'm in a meeting and i'll say something and in the back of my head i'm like oh my god like I'm not even sure if that's 100% accurate, but I'm going to go with it. I'm not making shit up, but, you know, it's to the best of my knowledge and my ability and my experience, this is the, this is the course of action that I feel is the best. And, and that's something I think we are able to kind of – I think that's one of the skills that we've gained from the, our military experiences. Oftentimes we are put into positions to make uh, imperfect plans, imperfect decisions in a timely manner. Uh, because what's the how's the saying go like uh you know a a, a a a poor plan made immediately is better than a the best plan made too late right and so we we're constantly living in the world in the military of making you know on the spot decisions and you've got to back it you can't show hesitation to your guys when you're making a ba- you know uh, uh, a battle space decision in the middle of a gunfight like you just make the decision and you support it 100% and if you show any kind of, uh, of, of, you know, questioning your own judgment, then it's going to bleed out and your guys are going to see that.
3: No, I think there, yeah, there is a level of faking it until you make it kind of thing, right? You know, and, and everybody's like, oh, you shouldn't fake something and you shouldn't go forward. And so what you're talking about is, is cautiousness, right? Some people yeah. are probably naturally more cautious, Uh, than other people. Some people are naturally more bold than other people, but one who has been previously cautious can learn to be bold and one who is too bold can learn to, to be a little bit more cautious. But, but that's exactly uh, the thing is, you know, that, that young, you can tell a brand new leader in combat because they do act so uncertain. And so, you know, I'm not sure whatsoever, Um, you know, uh, heard a quote yesterday that, that leadership is theatrics and storytelling. That's that's literally what it was in the military. You know, you think about the, uh, um, you know, Marine Corps boot camp and it's all, you know, but but it it is all just it's projecting an image Is that drill sergeant really the way they are. Well, some of them are. But but that's the thing is is a lot of people just simply don't know that that's a skill that they can develop. They believe that it's innate, that you're either born with it or you don't. um, But that's simply not true.
1: So how do people
3: build self-confidence? If they, you know,
1: some may, they don't have it. Maybe some are aware that they don't. Some are not aware that they don't. But those that are listening to this, that are are relating to anything that we're talking about and are interested in building a level of self-confidence or increasing their self-confidence, like what are some actions they can take? Any thoughts? Crickets. (laughs) Crickets. <laughs> so Bennett, I know you're not paying attention.
2: And d- No, I absolutely am paying attention. <laughs> um the way So like all right, so I can give you some, some pointers that truly helped me. Um and it and it really for me it was one of the and I learned it from Napoleon Hill straight up. Uh-huh. Uh with visualizing yourself um doing it. Like visualizing how you want to be right uh, because your mind really doesn't know the difference so it's just practice
1: so that's like a that's um, almost that's self-actualization through meditation and visualization i i think that's an i think yeah. that's a great i think that's a great uh, practical practical
2: and people think it's woo wooey but let me tell you that the best is, think about this the best athletes on the planet do this on a regular basis. Well,
1: people that think it's woo woo are people that have never done it,
2: right? Exactly.
1: Right, and that's a, that's a yep. thing, right? Um, everybody, nobody, nobody that's ever and nobody that's ate alligator says that they hate that they that they like alligator. They've never tasted it, right? So that's that's the funny thing about people that think shit's woo woo is, is those are the people that
3: have never tried it. So. I think, so, other,
1: so, I think. Oh, go ahead. Do yeah, so I hear what the question was?
3: Yeah. Well, and I think okay. this is something to to jump in on is the visualization piece, but but even more to um, how do we build it? Um, you know, there's a story that John McCain tells, and I don't I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's one of his fellow POWs that when he was in the Hanoi Hilton, all he did was visualize um, the perfect golf game on like Augusta Links or something like that, right? Um, and so. Uh, that's all he did to occupy his mind, and over and over again. And he planned his stroke, and he looked at the dog legs, and he and he planned his shots, and he looked at angles, and he and he went out. And then after he was freed from captivity, he went to that golf course and he shot the best game of his life, despite not having played there in in, in ten years or something like that, right? And so that's that's literally the power of visualization. If we see ourselves doing something, then we have the we can build the confidence. In it, if we don't see ourselves doing something, we can take that confidence away. So there there definitely is that, um, you know, uh, another probably a different example, um, you know, in cars. I, I got little kids, but right, you know, we're, we're uh, the original cars where Lightning McQueen is sitting there in the, the thing going, I'm, <laughs> I'm speed, right? I'm You know, and then and then, of course, the chick comes in his head and, you know, wrecks everything. But that's the kind of thing. So visualization is important. But uh, but the first thing, the step even before change is awareness that nothing is going to change until somebody becomes aware that this is a (coughs) a deficit or that this is a challenge that they have. So the first thing comes awareness and then awareness can either lead to action or it can lead to inaction. So if we become aware of something and then we say, "Okay, I want to change this, then that's when the change process starts. So then, yeah, it, that comes into like affirmation right. type stuff. Well, oh, but then it's then it's the same kind of action of, you know, Eddie um, going out to do Toastmasters. I did Toastmasters at the very beginning yes, until it, it became something that was too involved and, and I had to give something up, you know, but but it's those kind of things where, OK, I am this one way. I realize that I don't want to be this way. How do I change it? Um, again, the same, you know, because uh, I was the, the same dinner that I was having with the uh, the my fellow vet last night where, um, you know, I said, you know, this stuff isn't good for me. Right. You know, I'm not I'm not comfortable with mingling and small talk and all this other thing. And he was like, man, you could have fooled me because I'm taking my cue off of you. And I said, dude, I'm I mean, it's not that I'm not being genuine, but I'm deliberately doing something in the opposite way than I naturally would. Right. So. It's it's taking action. It's it's again, it's it's being bold. It's it's first realizing the audacity principles a thing and then putting it in action because you can uh, you know, you can tell somebody, yeah, you can do something, you can do something. And in the military, it was easy. Um, you know, we just made people do something. Uh-huh. Uh, if you took somebody, you know, um, you know, first foot on on forbidding and say, go jump out of an airplane it's, screw you, dude. But then if you start out with, you know, throwing off a little walls and then throwing them off a bigger walls for two weeks straight and just do it repetitive over and over and over again, then all of a sudden now they're jumping out of airplanes. Um, uh-huh. And so it's it's again the visualization, repetitive application. Um, and, you know, Bennett hates the failure porn, but it's fail and retry and fail and retry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but it's it's reality. So, I mean, mindless repetition and
2: blunt force. Trauma. Hey, man. And if you, and if you put yourself through that, you'll, you'll learn
1: to do stuff yep. quickly. And with that, <clears throat> the last piece of it, the last piece of guidance I would have, and then we'll wrap it up is, uh, you know, find a mentor that can be radically candored, uh, or radically candid with you. And there's a great book called radical candor, um, by God, Kim, what's her last name? I forget, but, uh, go check that out, read it or get the audio books, radical candor. Uh, it's about finding people in your life that have the that you have basically have given permission to be honest with you, and that's what you need, man. It's
2: Kim Scott. Kim Scott, yeah, it's yeah, a, it's, yeah. It's, it's a great
1: book. Great book. So there you go. Great, great conversation. I know it was very impromptu. It was not pre-planned, and <laughs> nobody got a heads up ahead of time. Sorry that it's three in the morning your time, Dwayne. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm in, a...
3: I, Actually, I'm in Dallas, so it's not that bad.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, gents, you guys have a fantastic uh Jesus, what is it? Wednesday? Yeah. All right. Have a fantastic
3: Say say hi to the Bush Institute for it. Yeah. There, there is that. Yeah. I'm gonna that is awesome. It it is uh it's pretty but but even this and, and obviously talk about imposter. It syndrome. is. I mean every single one of us. I'm sitting here, I'm like, I've got and and so for those who are listening, I'm I'm starting the inaugural Um, There's a group of us, veterans, non-veterans, spouses that are are doing this leadership program. Uh, And I'm sitting here next to people that are like uh, CVS and Nationwide Insurance. And like the uh, Ryan Mannion, the head of the Travis Mannion Foundation, was sitting at my table Mm -hmm. yesterday. And I'm sitting here like my nonprofit has three people. What am I doing Mm -hmm. here? Right. You know, what am I? But then there's that idea. There is that, you know, I'm just a. But then you say, well, somebody thought that I should be here and they right. haven't told me to leave yet. So obviously, you know, I'm in the right place <laughs> or, or at least a right place. And so I just have to I, I have to step into this this role that's been prepared for me, even though I'm not ready for it. Uh, and and then there's enough support around me that uh, I'm not going to fail. But even then, as, as you guys know, and, and they've told us we can't really you know divulge, but some of the people we're We're hearing from some high level people, four star generals, former deputy or four cabinet secretaries and stuff like that, but they're doing exactly the same thing they're like when they stepped in, this is a, a quick thing, then we'll wrap it up. You know the sergeant major of the Army has to go before a promotion board a really? literal a literal promotion board. Probably not with the same questions that we did as an E4 board, <laughs> but right. uh, I once had the uh, the the honor of talking to, to Cynthia Pritchett, Sergeant Major Cynthia Pritchett. She was uh, one of the first uh, um, Afghan uh, theater sergeant majors. She was the first female to be considered for Sergeant Major of the Army uh, when um, uh, the the one before Daly, I forget it, before Preston. So Sergeant Major Preston, Sergeant Major of the Army Preston's. Um, so she was talking to us and she said that you literally go before a board of the chief of staff, the the, the outgoing sergeant major, of the army and like two or three other like one stars and, and things like that. And um, and and you actually have to report as if you went to a promotion board. And if you imagine what what nerves you had going before a promotion board or going before a thing and then this is it. So it's it's happening at all kind of different levels. And. You just gotta freaking do it. Gotta mm-hmm. Just do it, right, Jordan?
1: Yeah, just do it. And and I think I think you know you in your situation right now, Dwayne. There comes a point where you just have to have faith that others around you that feel you are capable are right, even if you may disagree. You know what I'm saying?
3: No, I I absolutely do. I mean, and and the thing is, is once you get to that point, and I'm not the only one. We talk about this. I talked about this at dinner last night, is everybody else feels like they shouldn't be here. So if everybody else, Mm -hmm. because it's the person who says, yes, I'm absolutely supposed to be here. That's the one that you don't want there. Um, Right. Right. so, So it's that matter of, okay, if everybody else is recognizing the same thing that I'm recognizing, then they're going to be more gracious with my mistakes and they're going to be more honest. Exactly what you were talking about is finding a mentor in your life, not even a mentor, but a subordinate. I always, I had a first sergeant one time who said, always find somebody who stands next to you that you trust. That'll tell you if your fly's open. Right. I think Uh somebody, there's maybe I heard somebody say something about that. But, but, and I say, you know, tell me the emperor ain't got no clothes. I want somebody, uh-huh. you know, the first sergeant was like, uh, you know, I'm that for the commander. And I was his training agency, and he said, I need you to be that for me. I need you to tell me if what I'm doing is is stupid. Uh, and this is in one of the lessons that I took, even as a platoon sergeant, and first sergeant later on, he said, there's going to be a point in, in a week or a day or something that I'm going to close the door. I'm going to ask for your honest opinion. And you have free reign to tell me whatever you think, you know, with all due respect. But he'd be like, be honest with me. And he said, you can change my mind. You might not change my mind, but I'm going to give you that benefit. Now, once we open this door and we go outside, the decision I make is a decision I make uh-huh. and, and back me up on that. But behind this closed door, I need that radical honesty to be able to say he wasn't you know, calling it then, but that's what it is, is, is I need to be able to know if what I'm doing is about to be wrong. And it's those leaders that can listen to mentors speaking into them and subordinates speaking into them that are actually going to um, succeed uh, to a greater level. Mm, man, I love that. I totally agree. And you got to, there, there's a level of yourself.
1: You've got to, you got to have a level of confidence within yourself to offer that, that free reign of a subordinate. You know what I mean? It's it's those that feel uncomfortable uh, giving permission to a subordinate. Those those folks are the ones that struggle with their own internal uh, feelings of of um, incompetency. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes a great leader with a lot of wisdom to be able to extend that permission to a subordinate. And, and I know exactly what you're talking about because I had the same type of thing when I was in. Not with not with every one of my leaders for sure, uh, but there was a couple that I really really came to respect that basically did the same thing. Hey, behind closed doors, you know, we're not wearing rank here and I need you to give it to me straight. But, you know, once the door opened, you know, and I make a decision, I needed to support me 100%. And, and I had a lot of respect for that type of leadership because that it, it gave me some skin in the game too, but it also put the onus on me. Like if I knew that something was not right, like I had the responsibility now to communicate that and you know what i mean and um yeah being part of that conversation we all want to be we we say we all want to be a part of that conversation we all say we want to have a say but then when we're given the opportunity to have that say sometimes we don't want the responsibility and so um lots to be learned there for
3: sure Something I heard yesterday is uh, people will be happy to criticize what the solution is, but the minute that you ask them to be part of the solution, Uh they'll back off. Yeah, Um, absolutely. (laughs) Because they don't know either. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This happened to be somebody talking about the Department of Veterans Affairs when it came to Congress, but – it happens on a couple of different levels, right? It's just, it's, <laughs> it's you know, same thing happens with the guy who uh, shovels the sidewalk. You know, whatever. But <laughs>
2: yeah, I ask that question almost every day in my job
3: because I I hear
2: vets griping about how bad the VA is. Yes. Yeah. And as soon as I ask them, well, how would you make it better? They don't. Not my job. Uh, some guys have an answer, but a lot of people don't have, and they're like, I don't know, I don't have the answers. But hmm. you know, and I'm guilty too out of frustration, we run our freaking mouths. But uh, this is one of those things when people should be, you know, I I think it's a challenge to ask people to think before speak and not we just live in a society where verbal diarrhea is accepted. Uh It's not, you know, you need to actually uh, stop and think about stuff and uh, problem solve and maybe uh, you could cure cancer. If you just <laughs> shut your fucking
3: mouth. <laughs> right. You know
2: what I mean? Yeah. You never know. Yep. Hey, great conversation.
1: Thanks for hopping on. And um, I'm really excited that, that Bennett closed that out, demonstrating his capacity to pay attention, uh, which is
2: always welcomed. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> uh. you definitely need to surround yourself with ball
3: busters. That's right. <laughs> I, thought you, <laughs> I thought you were about to say you need to surround yourself with excellence. And I was like, when's, when's he going to start doing that? Yeah. No, no shit. shit.
2: Uh, all
1: right. No shit. Hey, good luck today, Dwayne. Thinking of you, man. Uh, you do a great
2: thing. When am I? When am I gonna learn that lesson? <laughs> you are the 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 sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, right? I, Jesus.
3: I spend my I spend my time with uh, with with combat veterans who have less than stable psychological. You, know, <laughs> so. yeah. we, you are what you eat. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Oh, my God. All right. All right, boys. Enjoy the day.
2: All right. Bye.